hello, welcome to uh, an extra utter shambles that wasn't necessarily going to exist, oh, but it does exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's no, uh, uh, that's Edgar Wright. He's our guest today, and uh, I should make it clear. Yeah, you were imagining some kind of uh, professional setup. No, I, 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 I've done podcasts before. I know how it goes. Yeah, well, no, we, we, we I think, have, have uh, dragged it down to a new low, haven't we, Josie, in terms mm. of, uh, which has made it also higher art. Yeah. That's not true. Oh, That's we not... we have a shoe commerce. We are in a fancy um, you know, fancy studio here though. There is a Nespresso machine in the lobby. Oh yeah. Oh no, what we do, what we do is is for everything that's cut in terms of the idea of pre-planning and uh, creating something of, you know, high tech, we make up for by uh, ensuring excellent on-site catering. Did you have any uh, do you have a spoon of nuts from the spoon of nut bowl that I noticed was in this uh... I didn't. I'm looking out I'm looking out if somebody could bring me a spoon of nuts. Oh, brilliant. We haven't got coffee now. See, thank you very much. Thank you. There. Do you want a coffee as well? Have you, have you had I've already had one, but I'll have uh, another one. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I'm sorry that I've kept you waiting because uh, I was... Uh, you, you've been out... Have you been out in L.A. mainly? I have since September. I, uh, yeah, I was, I, was here, I was here most of the year um, before that editing. I think everybody assumed that I'd... Because I was busy... For a year editing Scott Pilgrim, I think everybody assumed that I'd fucked off. <laughs> like, yeah. But I was, I was actually in a, a, a dark room in Charlotte Street for a year. It's just... really good for you, though. Do you know what you look like? What? You look like... You must know the film Deathline. Oh, don't say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It's going to turn. Now, Josie, do you not know about Deathline? I don't know Deathline. Right, next I time you're going to Russell Square like... Tube, you're going to be scared. you know you thought you were dead last time I you did. did the podcast? I did think but I was dead, yep. Are you saying I look like the Cannibal Man? No, what you look like Hang is on, the Cannibal Man. Right, like I'll tell Josie, first of all, okay. right? Deathline it's is, is a film. good good film, isn't yeah. it? Oh, it's uh, the US, basically... The US title of which is... Oh, Meat... Uh, raw Meat. Raw Meat, that's it, yes. another, another great title. <laughs> yeah, th- this may be very similar to uh, when we had Mark Gatiss on as well, where <laughs> you just end up talking about films. And that's not been shown for years. No one even believes it exists. I heard that one. I listened to that one this morning because I, I, I saw you tweet about his Blue Tulip Rose read impression. Oh. And I was fascinated with that documentary as well. It's a great documentary. I have it on a VHS somewhere, which I need to convert to some other format so I can watch it. I've got... I think I had to... I ended up running out of tape, and I think I just took bits of that documentary. I made a kind of best of. Uh, it's fantastic. Blue, Blue Tulip Rose Reed uh, is a Mike Reed, the DJ, uh, not comedian uh, fan. Uh, I refer you to an earlier podcast with Mark Gates if you haven't heard that as yet. Um, Deathline, all raw meat... Is uh, it doesn't make any sense. I was thinking about it yesterday how little sense it made. Basically, um, there was during the war, uh, some people got trapped uh, somewhere near Russell Square Tube. Uh, they had to turn to cannibalism. Of course they did. Yeah. Uh, they had two. There were two children uh, who were there. Uh, oh. They are the only survivors who now prey upon commuters and eat them. Oh. Uh, the only language they have is mind the doors. Yeah. And uh, no, sorry, mind the gap and stand clear of the doors. And it's no, really... it's, 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 mind, it's mind the doors. He it's says mind, mind the, the doors, do- yeah. Is it mind the doors and stand well, clear of... There, two... long, long. I think he just says mind the doors. Long. Is that all he's got, mind yeah. the doors? Yeah, because there's one... I've often thought that the guy... Oh, what's the guy's name? It's something Hugh something, the guy who plays the monster. And he has this amazing scene because he's kind of terrifying and then he has this amazing scene where he tries to kind of um, connect with this woman that he's kidnapped. And he does this, like, should have been an Oscar-nominated mm. scene where he kind of turns from, he's trying to sort of reach out to her, and he, he so he goes into sort of, mind the doors, mind the doors. It's he's trying to connect with her, and then and then he can't, and she's freaked out, so then he freaks out, and it gets angry and angrier. It's just the most amazing scene where he's only saying, mind the doors. But and when his like, partner dies, yeah. 
that's where Mind the Doors goes into a new realm at that point. Yeah. We've already seen Mind the Doors cover just a, you know, a <laughs> rainbow of emotions. Mm -hmm. But the one other cannibal who's with him, she dies. And as he lets out the plaintive, Mind the Doors! <laughs> oh, beautiful. Anyway, so not, you not look to, like... Not to, not to ruin the film, but you kind of think the cannibal man's dead at the end. And then the last shot is Donald Pleasance and all the cops walking off into this tunnel and into blackness. And then the last thing you hear is, Doors, doors, doors. Terrifying. It's very you, tricky writing the script. I'd avoid the uh, Piccadilly line from now on, Josie, because I know that you have an overactive imagination. What would be great to do is to take that film and re-edit it so there is no dialogue except Mind the Doors. <laughs> That'd be great. Take out all of the exposition, all of the cop dialogue, and just have the monster saying Mind the Doors. See, I think that's up there with who was the guy who did the? Uh, I think I've talked about this, Mark, as well. Where took Psycho and uh, oh, slowed it down. Yeah, didn't so, he just do something else? Like Twenty Four Hour Psycho, wasn't it? Hasn't he done something? Is there something that he's just done new called The Clock or something? Oh, I don't know about the this same one. guy who's done something. I think it's at Whitechapel or something at a gallery. I have to look this up. He's could... taken the Twenty Four Hour Clock and he slowed it down, <laughs> but only a tiny bit. Uh, 25 and a half hours. No, I think this new one is, is clips of clocks in movies. It's all like clips of clocks in films. Oh, that's a good... I love that there's, a, there's a, um, an, an Australian artist called uh, Tracy... Can we look... There's an Australian artist called Tracy. If you could just put into the search engine, Adrian, our producer, could you put in Australian artist called Tracy? She did this great thing where she takes... This was from quite a while back. Uh, she does things like the arc of love in a film and she takes hundreds of films and just cuts them down so it's just the first bit is the look. And you see hundreds of different versions from hundreds of different films. Betty Davis films, uh, Jessica Lang films, that first look, the first first look and then the I love you 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 for about a minute all the I love you's and then the turning point the slap from him the slap from him the punch from him and then the bit when the person pulls the gun and the death scene it's brilliant uh, what's that called? Well, we're just finding out from Asian the producers have to put I'm, I'm in Tracy to gonna... artist she's um she's uh, half Aboriginal if that helps I really like having yeah. that capability. I'm what to keep talking. I'm going to Google so I think the, the surname is... of the man who played the monster in Deathline. Because right. you I deal with like that. Agents geek. out there dealing with uh, the um, Australian artist called Tracy. Uh, but anyway, the point was, if that cannibal had been found and put on a makeover show and had his oh, hair volumized no. and just looked to look great. I That's still what don't you think look it's... like. You look like a cannibal who looks great. If Sawney Bean, well. the best version of Sawney Bean I've ever seen. Oh my god! That's a compliment. Isn't it? <laughs> it's not a compliment. What I'm saying, you look like a really healthy, vibrant cannibal who's the kind of cannibal who spent a few months out in LA. Not good enough. That's what I'm saying. You look. Wow, do you know I'm so bad at that? <laughs> it's like when I was telling you the other day when I was talking to a friend yeah, of mine and she's on a diet. I, I, I said you'd look ridiculous, skinny. Because I was trying to put her off dieting, and then someone went, "No, you're not going to say that." But you, it's funny. Like when it, my beard gets long and stuff, I like to, I like to imagine I'm Kurt Russell in the thing. But clearly, clearly, that's not the case. I look no. like the Cannibal Man in Deathline. No, what <laughs> would happen to Kurt Russell? Right in the final scene. Right, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. But if you haven't seen it yet, he would, it was he would thirty eat, years he might ago. Eat the other guy. Yeah. Probably. So will. he would have been on the cusp of cannibalism. <laughs> well, there you go. Somewhere between the two. That's what that was what I was reaching for. I was reaching for McGreedy, but I've I've ended up as Mr. Mind the Doors. I never I never thought when I was watching when I was watching that film several times in my youth, I never thought I was looking into a future mirror. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is in fact from now on all your replies just have to be mind the doors. So you've cut down your own part quite well, but it's become a lot more emotive. The um now that's great. Talking about the thing, 
brings me on to I wonder if this has ever happened to you now with, with, with your films do you know when, when people overanalyse what they mean now you've seen The Thing Josie yes I've seen The Thing at the end of The Thing uh, there are only two men left alive which is uh, is it uh, what's his name Keith Keith uh, David Keith David not David Keith David Keith played Oliver North in the TV movie of him and was in Officer and Gentleman. Keith David is in the very long fight sequence in They Live. Um, He's also in something about Mary as well. Is really? he? Yeah, he, he plays the dad. He's plays the dad, like in the opening scene. He's um like uh, Cameron Diaz's stepdad. Oh, I see. I never really got into the something about Mary because I'm a big John Waters fan, and I kind of felt that that was like the ironing out of the that that was making Hollywood bad taste. I still think they, you know, some of their. I'm a big fan of Kingpin. But the, uh, <laughs> I made you digress wildly. So. Well, on conspiracy things. Now, when Mark was on, I think we ended up talking about the fact that someone once said that they believed that the footsteps are different timed in the opening credits for The Prisoner and giving different messages, oh, which is rubbish. But at the end of the thing, so you've got uh, Keith David and you've got Kurt Russell and they're sitting there, just the two of them left. And all these people just go, now you see, I think that um, Kurt Russell's thing, because when they're breathing out, you might notice there is no uh, visible breath because it's so cold. His breath beeps, so he's actually... There. Now, I don't think that's true. I he think could have been sucking on an ice cube. Yeah. That's what they do in like uh, when they're filming in the, you know, in the UK and it's cold and they're supposed to be doing like some summer period drama and it's December. <laughs> you suck on an ice cube before the take and then you don't have cold breath. Bingo. Brilliant. <laughs> that's what, but that's what Just Kurt Russell, his character McCready, he liked to do. That he liked to eat ice cubes. That's what originally it was called, the Ice Sucker, and it was more <laughs> of a kind of fun film. And then it got this darker. But I love that because I, I don't think that uh, that was John Carpenter's vision. That you're meant to think. You know, you might be thinking maybe one of them's the bad thing, but the actual oh, and he hasn't got any breath. Is I think merely an accident. Of, of lighting, whatever. Have you had with, with uh, your, your, should I say four films? Yes. Yeah. You can. So, with your four films, have you got. Uh, yeah, I think. When's your first one going to be? Is your first one ever been available, uh, like DVD or anything uh, like that? Not on DVD, it was available on VHS. Can I, what's your first film? My first film was called A Fistful of Fingers and it came out in 1995. And uh, when I was 21. And uh, yeah, it was on VHS. And uh, it hasn't kind of come out since. I'm not in any great rush to release it on DVD. But shouldn't you do... I mean, that that is a great... I don't know if you ever watched the Something Weird DVDs where mm. they, they compile these great drive-in kind of classic uh, movies and uh, and they they have weird extras with them, things like they will have, you know, how to clean rats out of Baltimore stuff. And I think, surely, the Easter egg of, of somewhere fistful of fingers on... You know Scott Pilgrim or or the next release of Hot Fuzz. The uh, the next release. Of, I did put, I did put an amateur film that I did on the Hot Fuzz mm. DVD as one that I made when I was eighteen, and that's on the Hot Fuzz DVD called Dead Right. And it was the only one of my amateur films where the audio was split, like so there was dialogue on one and music on another. Because everything else that I did before that, which I'd love to kind of put those on there, like because they're so ridiculous. They've all got Ennio Morricone and John Williams and everything all the way through. So it's got loads of music that you can't oh. clear. And then dialogue mixed in with that. So I couldn't put those on any kind of release those commercially because I'd have to like redub it, which would be impossible. So there's all these other like funny ones that I've got that which I can't really do anything with. Is there no way you could get the original cast back together <laughs> and redub it? I did with... think about that at one point. Who did you get to do those films then? Was it f- friends? School of yours? friends, yeah. Really? It's all my school friends. Oh. 
Oh, did nice. I sing something? Did I do something wrong? No, 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 no. there we go. Uh, right. Uh, news just in on post-it notes. Tracy Moffat is uh, the name of the uh, Australian artist. You'd love her work, Josie. Right, Tracy Moffat. Again, her tr- the trouble with her stuff is because she cuts up hundreds of Hollywood movies, you can't get it anywhere apart from when it's shown in the gallery oh, because yeah. of the clearance. And uh, did you get the old um, death line? Oh, I was just doing it now. Hugh what? Hugh Armstrong. Hugh Armstrong. I, got the, first, I got the first name right. I knew his name was Hugh. That's that's good enough. <laughs> I'll allow that. I'm I'm not being much used today. I'm sorry. That's, no, you're being excellent. Uh, you've you've uh, we've had mind. a lovely week, haven't we? Look, I, this shame. is going slowly. I put Hugh <laughs> Deathline into Google, but they beat me to it. See, I feel I'm... today I was worried not only because I was late coming in and I was traditionally grumpy and it'd been snowing and I had that sense of angry nostalgia about. It. I'm sure they used to grit things and the trains ran on time and all that. And then I thought I'm going into a studio with two kind of child prodigies almost. You know, because both you started so young. I wouldn't call I, myself a child prodigy. You were. You were. You were. You know. You you were a teen. You were making your first film was on the Prince Charles. I remember that. Did you see uh, it in the Prince Charles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, saw no, it, the Prince it, was, it was there for ages. It was. It was oh on, wow! Well, it seemed like it was there for a long. And to, you know, and I, I'm glad that you said 21 because I thought you were like 15 or something like that. And so I thought it was going to be like in a room. I made with... it when I was 20, and I was yeah. I... Was that self-produced as well? Um, well, not in terms. Of it wasn't. Uh, no, I didn't pay for it. Oh, <laughs> like, what, like... make, sorry. Was, did you make? So you sort of. That was the oh, thing we you... we raise money through like um, local businessmen in my hometown. <laughs> I say local businessmen, a local businessman who like um, I'm not sure he's ever. Maybe I should just release it on DVD just so that he can get his money back. <laughs> like, I should do it just for him. So maybe that maybe you know I should do that just to do the right thing. What was the business that the guy ran? He was a newspaper editor, and he I think he just got an inheritance, and he had money to kind of lose on like a tax loss, and so our film is that tax loss. And we made it for like um, twenty one thousand. Wow! And it's like eighty minutes long. So, who was your inspiration? I mean, those things I immediately think of. Well, I think of the the, the first Matt Stone Trey Parker film, which is uh, the Cannibal the Musical, which oh, I don't yeah. think was the original title. I think that's the uh, which is about the the again. Sorry, we've gone back to cannibalism, but uh, about the the famous uh, the 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 Gold Rush Cannibal. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, uh, I I hadn't seen that at the time, but I had met. Trey Parker in London in 1994 or 95 because I remember there was a festival where Cannibal the Musical was playing and I didn't actually see it but I met him in a bar afterwards and then like years and years later I met the two of them again and I reminded him I said I think we had a drink in London in like you know 15 years ago <laughs> which was true um but no, I think that wasn't the. Insp- I guess like the sort of, uh, you know, like Sam. Well, Rain. I know that one, but I was thinking like that and John Waters eat your makeup and stuff like that. He got his mum and dad to help him finance stuff. I just think of people who started literally by going, as opposed to a lot of people's arc now is uh, they made a couple of uh, award-winning adverts for some product and then they get to make their first Charles yeah. Angels film. Um, whereas you kind of. You so know, who could you be referring? <laughs> um, no, uh, the... is it McGee? Is that what he's called? <laughs> it is his name. Yeah. What's the name? McGee. That's made... his whole name, like Madonna. Yeah, yeah. That's that's unusual. That's not. No, he has a he has a real name. Um, but um, let's not talk about McGee. It's. I tell you what. Now <laughs> I felt that the the pop promo for Pink Song that was in Charlie's Angels, jolly good. Jolly good. But I ended up... I you had can't to go be all like, oh, well, it's so low art, Charlie's Angels, which I've seen. No, no, I, no, no, of course I I've seen it. How can I, I judge it? No, I, 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 I mean saw it. Like, I don't know. You obviously... I'll tell I you know. why I saw it. I was out oh, in Australia no, and 
you know in Australia they have that deluxe screenings you can go to where really big seats mm. they're really comfy and they bring you cheese and biscuits every now and again so I mainly went for the cheese and biscuits but the only <laughs> cheese and biscuits based screen had Charlie's Angels full throttle on so that's why I had to see it Okay. So that that was the reason, and I do remember <laughs> thinking because I often with films like that, I think I'm I sure with, I saw it without cheese and biscuits. Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Oh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Did you have any kind of snack at all? I might have had some. Uh, it was in the. I think I saw that from the states, so I might have had some Junior Mints. I don't have them in the. Don't have them in the UK. I'm missing out. You could get them in uh, Cyber Candy. You can? Is that on Upper Street? Yeah. I walked past that the other day and I said, what a lame name for a shop, Cyber Candy. It's, it's like, oh, sort of like, I never did it so like brilliant. It's, like, it's got a rocket and it's like, sort of, how can we sell these chocolates? Let's call it Cyber Candy. It's the future. <laughs> it's funny, I walked past that the other day and, and, and commented on like how, how silly it was. But the thing is, it caught my eye. Exactly. The next we're step would have been going it. in. Like, now, we're, now we're giving them a plug, Cyber Candy on Upper Street. It's amazing, you should check it out. It's a, I, I like it when things, obviously they thought of that idea maybe in about 1998, when it still sounded really contemporary and cool. Oh, like so all the Cafe like... cafe Diana and Cafe Titanic, oh! which you still have. All of, the, all of the cafes that, you know, before the Millennium mm. Cafe in 1998, lots of cafes changed their name to either Cafe Diana, after Diana died, or Cafe Titanic. Like in, also in Islington, it's in Chapel Market, there is a Cafe, Titan, a cafe Titanic. And other ones like Jack and Rose, like there was loads of ones that renamed after Titanic was the biggest film of all time. But they must. But I'm just thinking, why would you? Why would you call a greasy spoon the Titanic? What's to be gained from that? I think I. Do you know what? This is a whole genre of cafe that I've because I am a. I, well, you know I the normally go to cafes. There's loads of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am generally. Oh, we got another notes just come in. Clockman is by Christian. Was I say Marquet? Marquet. No, it's not the same guy who did the uh, Psycho one, though, I don't oh, think. Oh, is that not Mr. Psycho? Okay. There's a brilliant Get short film. Again. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's on one of the um, 16 short films by British Filmmakers series, which is a guy who has just put a locked-off shot, and, well, it starts off as a locked-off shot on a street, and then pretends that he's directing all the action that's uh-huh. going on. Huh. And so he goes, right, OK, send in the woman <laughs> with the pram and uh, look towards the camera, look back again, a slight trip, and keep on moving. Oh, it's a brilliant. brilliant idea. It works perfectly until it goes on a bit. But seen... it, for, no, it's a really great short film, though. Have you seen there's a guy on YouTube and he's got he's just done the voiceover of his cat attacking his printer? <laughs> it's really great. And the, the cat's going, can't you just print? Just, oh, the paper's right there. And the cat's just like hitting the... It's so well done. It's really fun. I haven't seen that. You should have a look. Man, I've found it's out there's good. a whole... If it's not a cannibal movie, I don't know anything. How much... Do, do you still have, mo- like, control of your films? I presume that's kind of in the contrary, isn't it? You, you don't don't have to lose too much control of... Um, I never had Final Cut on a film. Right. I think you only get that when you sort of, like, make a bazillion dollars. Um, or, or you're, you know, like... Um, I guess, like... Um, a lot of kind of authors kind of have that, like David Lynch and stuff, had Final Cut. But um, you know, what? I, I had a, I had a pretty easy ride on Scott Pilgrim. Sorry, sorry, I've heard I've heard like I've heard like nightmares from other people kind of working with studios, and and I realised that in you know that I you know that they supported me, and I, you know the film that came out is the film that I wanted to make and stuff, and it was my kind of you know the edit that I was happy with and stuff. So that doesn't always happen. <laughs> I was just thinking that with David Lynch. There's no way he couldn't have Final Cut because how could, as an executive, sit down and watch Mulholland Drive and they go, the, the uh, it's fine, it's huh. fine because well, I don't. I think after, I just... G- after June, like um, or Dune, uh, the 
Yeah, that that's exactly why he has final cuts because that one got butchered, didn't it? Or yeah, his his version was very different. From why this. did somebody just go? Oh, you put it all in the wrong order, David. We'll just move <laughs> it right. You must have done it wrong. You've got. But that does happen. More, more worms in it. <laughs> that will that happen to um, uh, the uh, Donald Camel, uh, who <coughs> was the co-director of performance. Oh, yeah. uh, and he, his last film, Wild Side, which has a great performance by Christopher Walken in it, uh, they, one of the things about Do- all of Donald Campbell's films, I think, are they play around with, uh, a little bit like Nicholas Rogue as well, and things like Manifold to Earth, they play around with narrative order. Uh, and the studio just went, ooh, I don't like the look of this. And they wanted to turn it more into a kind of, a kind of more lesbian plot in it and just have a straight narrative. And so they did just, they, they took this this film that was weaved around in terms of what's happening when and went just straight through start to finish. And it just doesn't, it's it's a joyless film. I've seen bits of it when it's put in the right order and you go, that doesn't work. It's like, like someone's saying with Memento going, do you know what worked with Memento? It's really confusing. <laughs> forward. And I tried watching Memento Forward. You can watch it on the, there's an Easter egg thing where you can watch Memento Forward. And uh, because your brain is now trained to think of it going backwards, you go, I don't understand watching a film forwards, <laughs> which seems ridiculous. I remember when I when going back to Fistful of Fingers. I remember when we were editing that, and I wasn't particular. You know, I wasn't that happy with it. I kind of was aware that I hadn't made a, a barnstorming debut. But one of the producers had a brainwave. He'd just seen Pulp Fiction because because we made it in 1994, and he said we should uh, jumble it all around. <laughs> like he'd just seen Pulp Fiction, and he said, "Why don't you do a Pulp Fiction and move it all around?" I said. I don't think that's going to work with this one. <laughs> it, was like sort of, it was very easy to shoot down the suggestion and we never tried it, but I love that that was his idea of how we could make it better, was to put, oh. it, put it in the wrong order because Pulp Fiction was the hot film at that time. Or but, the idea that with Pulp Fiction that that's what they did. Like they'd yeah. written it and then they, at the end they go, fuck it, let's just shuffle it. <laughs> shuffle <laughs> it around. People love it. But that's the difference there between the American technique and the British technique. You're suggesting shuffle around, whereas for a British film, it's jumble around, isn't it? <laughs> we should make it a lot more jumbly. That's the difference. Jumble, jumble it up. <laughs> jumble it <iron. laughs> Now, you, uh, Josie, have I given you enough time to ask you your things? Um, well, I sort of, I, I started asking you the thing before we started because I noticed that you like Let's Wrestle, who's, uh, who are a band that I think are brilliant. Who... We all like Let's Wrestle. Well, yeah. we do. Um, but They're I, child prodigies, I... but he's probably in his 20s now. No, well, I, was, I was pointing out maybe a member of the band can answer this, but they re-recorded uh, I Won't Lie to You, which is the song that I really like, and it's re-recorded on the album, and I thought, oh, his voice sounds different. And then he told me that they were, like, all 14. I said, well, maybe, maybe his voice broke. <laughs> maybe it's well, kind like, of like... The first time that he came to a gig, I remember, or was it a latitude or whatever? Was, oh, yeah, and we had yeah. to give them all beers, which they hid in their coat. Yeah. And... Can uh, I say, these are the coolest little boys in the world. They like, were the co- They're not little boys anymore. Yeah, are they, they, are they cooler now. than One Direction? Absolutely. <laughs> what are you even saying? Is it what? One, one of them call? said. One of them said pussy live on TV. Yeah, in a really <laughs> creepy like. You're gonna get so much pussy, way. No, man. If, if let's great, wrestle. greatest end to like a greatest end to a series. That was the last shot of that show. Was like, think how much pussy you're gonna get. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. No, let's wrestle. Could absolutely. Not only could they beat up. One Direction, but they, they could wrestle them. Exactly, they wouldn't even be up because they're cooler than that. They would never do that. But they, um, I met them when they were thirteen and they were playing supporting Jeffrey Lewis and they were so like cool and good. And then um, yeah, they came to Latitude and it was Mike and Wes who were the two, two, the three guys, uh, and they were wearing long fake fur coats and That's they were right about there. fifteen. And I thought, 
fuck, you're cool. I was never that cool when I was 15 years old. And they were like, had beers up the arms of the coats. <laughs> I was, oh my god! No, but that was, cool. the call was ruined as they did that kind of sh- like you know uh, uh, children who were going to an X movie in the nineteen seventies, and then one of them fell off his mate's shoulders, and they <laughs> appeared not to be at all. As they were shambling out in their coats, and then some beers fell out, they did still look a slightly ashamed. <laughs> I went, "It's all right, you can take the beers." They went, "Sorry." When we I just... tried to sneak into a fifteen, and I wasn't fifteen, for some reason I thought a way of looking older would be to put lots of hair gel in my hair. <laughs> Oh. I don't know why I thought that would make me look this older. This is what they do, isn't this it? This is what they do. This is what older people do. I've seen that studio line advert. It's like a lens of gel in my hair. I can get an idea. One, one, for, one for the Lost Boys, please. The Lost Boys as well. Now, there's two sequels to that. I haven't oh. never seen the sequel. You were 14 Much as like... well. It's not even like you were 11 uh, well, or No, I must have been 13 when that came out, because that came out in 1987. I think I was 13. Because that would be quite sad as well, because if it, if you'd been 14, you go, oh, why did they change regulations? Because only a few years ago, double A yeah. was acceptable to be 14. Oh, you go yeah. see something like The Fog, double A. Um, I, uh, the other thing I did once, the, the, the first time I got into a 15, this is the greatest one, is the Gremlins was a 15. Yeah. And I was 10. And um, it seems so kind of wrong that Gremlins was a 15. That um, at my local cinema in Wells, the Wells Regal, um, me and my brother went up to the manager and told him that, I said, oh, I'm 10 and my brother's 12 and we'd really like to see Gremlins because we've got the sticker book. We, uh, was it Panini? What was the, what was the name yeah, of the sticker? Yeah, Panini, yeah. Yeah, Panini sticker book. And we've read the novelization, so we know what happens, so we won't be scared. So, And we brought the book with us to prove that we'd read the book. Aww. Therefore, we could see Gremlins and not be scared by its 15-rated content. And they let us in, which is amazing. So I saw Gremlins at the age of 10 in a matinee, and it was made even more exciting by the fact that I thought I was going to get kicked out at any second, that somebody was going to say, wait a second, there's a 10-year-old in the building? Why so, was it a 15? Just, um, you know, the gremlin in the microwave, gremlin in the blender. Oh, it's yeah. Anything scary. with homemade weapons. Homemade weapons gets you, like, a harsh rating straight away. Oh, brilliant. Wow. You've just created yeah. a fabulous link. Because uh, I went to watch, I, I forget his name now, you'll probably know the name of this guy, the guy who wrote a book about uh, Wicker Man. Um, oh. Um, I have it. They I, showed, I can't remember the name of the author. Well, he, he where's, showed, where's Mark Gattis? Yeah, exactly. So, so we, um, we'll redub that. Where, <laughs> Just say Gatiss just once and we'll Oh, read. yeah, no, I... I just, just say Gatiss oh, just Gatis. once. Right, just do it again. Mark Gatiss. Just read up that in... Right, right. Brilliant. I know um, him as well. I call him Gatiss. I don't know why. I think I, I think I heard it on the show. I listened to that oh, podcast. Oh, we were talking about the fact talking that about it. Clive no, I thought I'd been saying it goes. wrong for years, and I haven't. Okay. It's the name anxiety thing. Sorry. It's like when you're worried you don't know someone's name, and even though you know it, but you're so scared that you don't know it, then you just think you don't know it, so you can't say it. Well, then. like that... Um, like that Radio 4 guy did, Jeremy Kent. That was so good. That was amazing. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. covered your mouth like I'd said something naughty. Oh, no, it was only because I had a poppy seed in my teeth. Entirely <laughs> different thing. I was very late. I'm having to have lunch. The, yeah. um, yes, I no, wanted... No, you can say anything. All, all of that's... Uh, there's a nice one I with... I can't uh, sing anything. That's Nikki what, that's how I'm Campbell not... twice talks about the um, uh, Kent County Cricket Club. <laughs> Uh, and uh, someone like Nicky Campbell, because of course he has such gravitas when he's dealing with moral issues on a Sunday, to uh, screw up saying Kent County Cricket Club twice was uh, excellent. I was on Radio 5 the other day with Richard Bacon and we started talking about the James McNockerty... Is it James Nockerty thing? It's um, Nockerty, right? I thought yeah. his name was Naughty because he just said cunt on the air. His name's Naughty. Um, and as we were talking about it, this kind of that thing what I, should, I call like assembly Tourette's when you're at school and you have this kind of like real desire to shout out 
fuck or cunt yeah. in the middle of assembly. I just felt as I was talking to Richard Bacon about that swearing, I was thinking, oh, don't say it, don't say it. There's this demon on your shoulder thinking, don't say the C word. You'll never be allowed on radio ever again as a guest. It's very but it healthy. Was like, it was well, sorry? Very healthy. Taboo thinking. Because I was talking about that with someone once. Psychologists went, have that all the time, and you start to think you might be mentally ill. Yeah. Because you think, why? Well, it's like when I when my kid was first born. Sometimes I like be cutting carrots or something. So I think, what if I somehow somehow slipped, and then swung round and ended up. <laughs> Cutting, what would happen then? You know, that end over and then go, well, it probably won't happen. Or when you walk up some stairs and go, what if I just suddenly, for no, just went, I'm just going to throw them over the banisters. What if I do that? <laughs> so it's healthy but that you did that. But that's good for you, is it? To actually have the process of thinking, oh, my God, what if I did do that? Is not actually saying you're likely to do that. It just means that your imagination covers all possible outcomes. I used, um, to, means I used to have that as well fear. with um, a similar thing where... I once did a job as a researcher and I had to walk across Hungerford Bridge every day from the tube. And every day I would think about throwing my bag into the Thames. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be this kind of trying to control this urge to just like take my bag, which had important stuff in it, and go, <laughs> just and just like boot it into the Thames. I never did it. Maybe I should go back and do it. Just for the sake of it. Like now that you're a wealthy man, I can buy another bag and have more ideas whenever I want. <laughs> I could buy the River Thames. <laughs> the, um... Oh, we've ruined the link. I had such well, a brilliant what we, link. What were you talking about before? Oh, no, it was because um, this guy did a speech where um, he showed some footage of, of Wicker Man. Um, then someone said, why do you think it's Christopher Lee's favourite film? And he went, well, I don't think you should uh, hold much to all by uh, what Christopher Lee says his favourite films are because he says his second best film is uh, Gremlins 2, The New Patch. And oh, everyone it's a good one. Exactly, it's, it's a really great one. film. The Busby Berkeley scene near the end, it's a the great... Guy, the one who becomes the, the, original. the talk show host. Le- brilliant. Leonard Moulton. Oh, yeah. no, 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 you, I know what you're talking about. The, 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 the Dracula becomes, the Dracula guy becomes the talk show host, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, hang on, no, the Gremlin that becomes the talk oh, show Oh, yeah, host. there's the Tony Randall-voiced Gremlin. But isn't it, uh, isn't it like the sort of the guy who's playing the sort of Grandpa Munster? Al Lewis, of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Gremlins 2 is great. I don't think it's better than the first one, though, but I think it's really good. I like the first one a lot. I like things like the fact that they, in the movie version, they have that great moment where it appears that the film is getting all yeah. jabbed, going wrong, and then the film appears to melt, and then it's revealed that, in <gasps> fact, the gremlins are inside the projection booth. And then it. they did oh. bother to change it for the VHS release, so it appears that they're tinkering with the uh, the tape on the uh, on the VHS. Mm-hmm. So that, the that's... cinema one is better. Yeah. The cinema one has Paul Bartel and Hulk Hogan in it and stuff. And I actually, oh, I actually did a Q&A with Joe Dante for Gremlins 2 in LA, and they were showing it at midnight, and uh, I was going to go down, and I don't think he was going to... He lived nearby, and... I said, are you going to go down to the... I So I did a Q&A with him. And he said, um, he said oh, nobody's going to want to do it, see a Q&A at midnight. I said, yes, they will. <laughs> so we did, like, what, at 2 o'clock in the morning. It was amazing. And what's interesting about that is that one of the reasons that I think he was... He, they, he didn't really want to do the second one. And to entice him to do it, they kind of gave him carte blanche. And that's why, you know, he's kind of, um, you know, it feels like he's setting all off... He's been expelled from school and he's setting off all the fire alarms on the way out. And so I think the sort of the studio and maybe Spielberg and stuff were not kind of fond of Gremlins 2 because he was satirizing the first one and making fun of the toys and stuff. And so it seems like he says it's like his favorite film. He says it's like Joe Jante says it's his favorite film that he's done. But it is really it's got some amazing stuff in it because it is like savaging like 
the idea of a franchise. Because I think the 80s is... I don't know if we've ever... We've probably talked about this before. I think the 80s is a terrible decade for mainstream film. Oh, I don't know. Well, what's, what's he holding up now? He said no. He sees the 70s and the work <laughs> of Robert Altman to be shit, which oh, I felt is whoa. to have pre-printed that. God, no, he doesn't. Adrian. The, um, but uh, the 80s... I think, I think that it's funny because I think... Um, Definitely, like, there weren't as many 70s-type films in the 80s. <laughs> that sounds like a really stupid thing to say. In the 80s, yeah. there weren't too many 70s films. <laughs> but that's basically it. But, the, but then the actual kind of popcorn films are of a higher quality. Like, you know, Die Hard compared with The Poseidon Adventure. It's in a, it's in a different league, surely. Um, does he climb up a big tree? I don't think he does, so... I, don't I, I watched The Poseidon Adventure the other day, actually. I watched it the other day, and it was highly entertaining. Is this... Yeah. It's entertaining, definitely. A fallen priest trying to... I mean, yeah. What's amazing in that film is how quickly they give all authority to Gene Hackman for no apparent reason. As soon as, like, the, as soon as the ballroom has gone belly up, like, it's like, Reverend, what do we do? <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know why they're asking him immediately. What, when, there's, when there's, you know, a couple of officials, <laughs> like, from the kind of the, the liner that are there, and yet Gene Hackman is immediately given authority. And yeah. it seems like everybody knows who he is. <laughs> and it's like, Reverend, what do we do? Let's get this Christmas tree up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly... Well, that's why, because the first thing involved a religious... And so that, that's why that I presume that Gene Hackman's put in charge. What, anyway, oh, how, I thought, how come I a vicar's got that much money, anyway, to go on a cruise? Because <laughs> do we ever find out whether he's embezzled? Oh. Is he a kind of Father Ted figure? What's he doing on the cruise? He has a, he has a lot of exposition in about kind of like 90 seconds flat uh, where I think I was... Just making a cup of tea, and I sort of missed it, but I've missed his entire character set up. <gasps> that is still my favourite. E- exposition is, uh, and again, I bet I've mentioned it before, End of Days is my favourite bit of, of what is this character like. Very similar to, but slightly shorter than Lethal Weapon when you find out uh, Mel Gibson's character. Um, end of Days. Have you seen End of Days? You know, I've never seen that one, actually, the Schwarzenegger versus the Devil one. It's Pretty entertaining. so ridiculous. Like, three different times in the film, he goes, 666. The number of the beast, 666. <laughs> like, like, what, are you just taking the piss now? You're just trying to make me think of Iron Maiden. Like, free. it was so <laughs> ridiculous. Like, but, but it does have that great moment where right at the beginning you go, what's he going to be like? Um, he swigs from uh, a huge bottle of whiskey or something, really glugs it down, and then puts a gun to his head. And that's all the exposition you need. It is just, yes, just going, I'm an alcoholic, I'm also Zubis Idol. And then you go off. That's <laughs> it. You don't need any more than that. I mean, people like you waste a lot of time with this yeah, kind of character this development character thing bullshit. when you can just do it in a matter of seconds. Oh, can I ask you something just from a purely personal point of view? Yes. Do you like Misfits on telly? You know, I haven't seen the second series yet, but I've seen the first one. I did like it, yeah. I really like it. I, I'd, not, I'd not seen it. Um, no, I hadn't seen any um, of the second one yet. I was going to... Uh, I watch it all on 4 I watched it. I sat there. Uh, the last two weeks, I've sat there, just kept putting it on. You don't like it. it. You're making no, a face. No, it's to because say. I've never noticed as much product placement from Josie Long. Product Cyber Candy. Like. This whole thing is just getting <laughs> ridiculous. Listen, Listen tell like, what I like. <laughs> cyber, cyber Candy, you could get some, you know, you could get some serious goodies out of that. I tell you what, I said on Twitter that I like the Scandinavian kitchen, and they said they'd give me a free coffee. And I thought, this really? is amazing. This is what it's like to live the high life. I love the Scandinavian kitchen. Well, not more than you, because I'd like a sandwich. Um, um, I uh, just went into caffeine on Great Titchell Street, oh, and I saw, God, isn't it? I saw they had a Brussels sprouts quiche, and I'd like a free slice of that quiche, please. <laughs> yeah. And you ruined it by actually, so I'll tell you what, I looked at that quiche and I thought... No? Not yeah, good. just go, oh, man, I'd love a bit of that quiche. But, uh, yeah, it looks great quiche, but I was in such a rush. Then, don't say you want it. 
Yeah, All right. So that you, it looked, it looked amazing. I didn't have time. A little mouth watering. A little mouth watering. Perhaps I should just say now five times. Gosh, comics. Gosh, comics. Gosh, comics. Gosh, comics. Gosh, comics. There we are. I did. I mentioned Warner Archive on Twitter because I said I bought one and I said, oh, thanks to Warner Archive, I saw. Don't be afraid of the dark for the first time. Oh yeah. What's Warner Archive? It's oh, no, um. Sorry. There you go. Listen, I'll get, <laughs> listen. If I keep talking about, it, I'll get another five free DVDs. Man, if we three are not on some shopping-based channel by January the fifth, selling shit late at night, Paul Ross, I'm afraid we don't want you to sell the Carry On box set. Any, I saw that once with uh, Paul Ross. What's the Ross difference Offensive. between Diamante and a diamond? Well, a lot of people say Carrying Up the Kyber is, is a classic, <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm really glad this box set doesn't have it. It's got all my favourites. It's got <laughs> what? Carry On Girls. It's got Carry On. Don't lose your head. I love Carry On England. I mean, always you do not, do you? Carry On Girls has, has got a high sex pot value in it. Oh. It's got Valerie Leon and Margaret Nolan, who are two of the greatest 70s sex yeah, pots. Yeah, no, that's fair. Val- go. Valerie Leon, blonde. Sex and you've got one, one blonde word. and one brunette. It's like Carry something On Girls has got everyone. something for everybody. Valerie Leon, who is in Valerie one Lee of the... Valerie Leon may be my perfect woman, really, to Well, be she is one of the leading, the, the, the whole kind of hammer glamour. In fact, there is now a, a book, book. I think, entirely just on the The thing is, the book is like a catalogue of absolute tragedy. Because when you start reading the hammer glamour book, you're thinking, oh, died of overdose on barbiturates. Uh, commit suicide, car crash, oh. car crash in a sports car. I was thinking, oh, this isn't quite the fun read I thought it might be. And yeah, recently there are a couple of them That's I've like seen interviewed where you go, oh no, you're really miserable and you've never <laughs> faced the fact that you, you know, the looks start to go and all that kind of. But someone who was, because I, I wanted to, I know we've got very limited time now left, and the Wicker Man, I was going to talk about, there were oh. two things I wanted to bring up. Um, we will briefly mention. Oh, sorry, yeah. What are you going to Anyway, my other favourite <laughs> shop, which I would like some stocking donor hat you know, from, is Stocking Donor Hat on Upper Street. Yeah, there's an actor okay. in it called Lauren Soccer, who I've become a bit obsessed with because I think she's Wh- so wonderful. Oh, is she the. Which one's she? She plays the one that can read people's thoughts. Oh, yeah, the sort of chavvy one. The one who was in the Arctic Monkeys video. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I d- actually, yeah, I the said Scummy Man video. She's the girl in that, isn't it? she? Because she's in that Unloved, and I think she's brilliant in that. And I, I just literally wanted to talk about how much I liked her. That's it. I called her the chavvy one, like they're not all chavs on that show. And also, <laughs> it's like, you know, that's part of that's her character's that's part, that's, problem that's all, is that that's people part of it, yeah. dismiss her in that way. Yeah. It's, ah, oh. anyway, sorry. Joe, do we have sent you two of that. the characters from Misfits because you mentioned them? Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> um, two of the characters. Which ones do you want? I would do like they have action figures for Misfits? I'd like uh, the guy who's the runner. I wish they did because I'd have them all and I'd have them do adventures. Um, I... It's like Fish Tank meets X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> I like. It's my best thing. That's a Venn diagram that I'd be happily sat in the middle of. Let's call it X-Fish. Um, so, right, the brilliant segue from half an hour ago was... Uh, Wicker Man. We've do, we done Man. that one already. There's no, we haven't got to. <laughs> I mean, uh... Ingrid Pitt obviously died very recently and was a, uh, you know, fantastic... And uh, someone who had an incredible life as well and certainly a child. But... You, uh, I don't think, was it this year or was it even last year? Uh, you wrote a really great piece about, because I wanted to talk about the fact that you get to sometimes work with people think, oh my God, I was a kid and I love this film. And you work with Edward Woodward yeah. on, on Hot Fuzz. Yeah. And you wrote a piece about him when he died. Yeah, it really, I think sort of, I mean, he, he was so lovely to work with. And, um, and, and actually sort of, I wrote about this in my kind of piece, but the thing that was really... He's amazing, like raconteur, and he tells all these stories. But when you're directing a movie, you don't get to hear these stories unless you're in the makeup light truck. So um, Simon and Nick and everybody else would hear all these stories, and I'd get these half stories where he'd start telling me a story about the Wicker Man, and then like it'd be, oh, we're ready to do the shot, and then I'd never hear the ends of these stories. So 
And we had this kind of premiere in the West End, and there was a really noisy party afterwards, which wasn't really great for, like, you know, three quarters of the cast of Hot Fuzz are, like, over 65. Yeah. It is an incredible cast. Oh, it's an amazing cast. So, of course, like, most of the actors in Hot Fuzz went to the party for five minutes and all fucked off because it was too noisy. And so, you know, Billy Billy Whitelaw... Actually, Billy Whitelaw wasn't there, but, um, you know, everybody else was there. Uh, like, Edward Woodward was there and uh, Dalton and um, Kenneth Cranham and all the amazing people. So I actually asked... You know, then when the film, like, sort of went to number one the next week, I asked, like, Worker Tassa, can we have another premiere party with just the actors where we can actually hear each other speak? And so we had a dinner, and I said... And I... I got the scene plan. I said, I want to sit with all the older actors that I never heard all of their stories. So I was on a table with Jim Broadbent, Paul Freeman, Kenneth Cranham, Edward Woodward, and Michelle Detrice. So I was just sat with all of them because I was thinking, oh, now, now this is my time to hear all these anecdotes. And then we also did sort of like well, thank you speeches, like Eric Fellner did one, and I did one, and Simon did one. And then as it was kind of wrapping up, Edward Woodward said, I would like to talk. And he got up and spoke for like 25 minutes and just kind of like completely stole the whole evening and then that was the last time I saw him and I was so glad that I'd like done that because if I hadn't it would always been like a regret that I never heard the ends of these anecdotes and he's so funny and such an amazing you know to grow up with him through like Callan and the Wicker Man and you know the Equalizer it's kind of weird to sort of sit with the, the couple because there's two like iconic 70s TV presences it's like, not just is it the equaliser, you're sitting next to Betty from Some Mothers Do Have Them. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. You know, yeah. it's crazy. Like, Mich- Michelle Detrice is like just amazing to be sitting with, with the real Betty. Oh my God. And if you, you want to link had... her to Ingrid Pitt, you only need to use Sandor Ellis. <laughs> because there's a uh, Sandor Ellis who uh, was in Countess Dracula. So I've oh, just yeah. suddenly decided to do that. Uh, was also in, uh, is it called A Now Morning or something about two girls who go on a cycling and holiday? And Soon the Darkness. And Soon Which the Darkness. Which has just been remade. Opposite yeah. of what you just And said. Soon the Darkness yeah. with Sandor Ellis with, with, so um, and, Pitt. and Pamela Franklin. Yeah. Uh, which and has Michelle Dautrice. It's which about two girls cycling in the French countryside and there's this, sp- there's this uh, creepy gendarme. Gendarme kind of stroke. Sex offender. Ooh. It's yeah. like the Hitcher, but on bicycles. <laughs> so I it's. Did, uh, I did that. I cycled across France uh, with my then boyfriend. Nothing interesting, but it's. No, sorry, no, no it's not waving. It's, we probably do have to wind up now. And I, I can't believe that we haven't talked about zombies at all, which is uh, fine, highly. Okay. No, 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 I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad done. because we managed to get that. Because uh, I. You're, <laughs> I'd rather I'd talk about the Sean of the Dead. Also, I really like your films. I think they're brilliant. The, uh, <laughs> I've been holding it in. Everyone, I've been holding it in. You're trying to be everyone's friend again. I am not. I like it when you're edgy. I've got my own friends. People. I've got my own friends. <laughs> I don't need. To, I don't need to be your friend. I just like consuming your art. The, um, God bless you. <laughs> consuming the, is the wrong word. Enjoying your so art. So also, just another plug there. If anyone there does art, I would like some <laughs> some of that free as also, well. Also, uh, I watched a documentary about Fred. I always get his surname Hampton, wrong because Fred Hampton. Like, yeah, the Black Panther. Yeah, you got his surname wrong really last right. night what in our I show. Say? Handford or something? I did not. Did. I said Fred Hampton. You said Fred Sanford and Sons, <laughs> who was both Manfred. a spin-off of Steptoe and Son and a Black Panther, which created a very <laughs> weird no, moment. Blank- that's an amazing <laughs> sitcom right there. <laughs> I think that's definitely going to bring back Sanford and Sons where the sons become, yeah. A Black great. Panther, yeah. yeah. Sold. Fred's... No, no, it's fine. I, I just was recommending that people look at Well, go on. Can you give your Christmas message or not um, that you gave? Or oh, well, my Christmas... Give away some stand-up, yeah, no, no, that was a lovely... We've been no, doing these, these, these not, Nine Lessons and Carol's Godless People thing. And, Basi- uh, yeah. Basically, I, I like to think that I... 
base my opinions on facts and that I because I really hate it when people have rangy political conversations that don't refer to anything and just moan and and I thought that I was doing all right and uh, this documentary really made me think about one how much things get misreported and how much people get vilified uh, especially in reference Black yes especially in reference to all the student protests uh, and how much people have been that you know people have been hysterical about the wrong things and not appreciating how many people went out in such a good, positive spirit and was so, uh, you know, was so impassioned about the cause and that's what it was really about and it's about the fact that now we have the most expensive university education in the world. So with that in mind, I was thinking about how my opinion of the Black Panthers had basically been influenced by propaganda against them because my opinion was kind of like, yeah, I think that was all right, but weren't they a little bit, like, racist or something? I think they are a bit violent, <laughs> weren't they? And that's just because all I'd heard about them was when I was about 12 or 13 and sort of little drips and drabs of, like, half information and, and then I hadn't really checked it because I'd not really thought about them in that time. And obviously, I watched this documentary and I was so stunned at how wrong my opinion had been, even though I was quite sympathetic towards them, really, but, like, I was, I, I was so shocked by how misreported they'd been and how wonderful they were and what cool, brave socialists they were. And this guy, Fred Mumford... No, that's a joke. Fred, Ham, Fred Hampton, who was just so wonderful and he was murdered when he was 21 by the CIA and yet he managed so much and he was so clear and warm and inclusive and it was just brilliant. Um, but what I also really, really found exciting watching the documentary was because of when they're from and where they're from, the way they talk just seems like, you just think, how did they get anyone to listen? Because, like, they were at, like, public meetings in churches and they'd address each other by being like, ladies and gentlemen, this next speaker's a bad motherfucker. He's a bad motherfucker. You've seen so many bad motherfuckers, this one's the baddest motherfucker of the lot. And that's, like, totally just a normal term of respect. But it's just... You can't no, say that. You're in a church. Oh, no. Well. Uh, yeah, it was a press... And then they do a press conference and then I wrote down pretty much verbatim, but they were talking about police brutality. And I wrote down what they said because I was just, like, stunned by it. Um, and then when I'm on stage, I'm like, I'll try and do an American accent, and I'm like, what are you saying? Like, it's a joke, doing a bad one, it's hilarious. Um, but it'd be like... Yeah, what only spoils the political sentiment is the fact that she sounds like a butler from a Bob Hope film in the <laughs> mid-30s. Which means not. that it manages to mix racism it's with a lovely idea... It's just doing an American accent. I'm not trying to do, like, it's a... It's the hands and the gloves <laughs> that you don't need and to the, use. And the makeup. I do the makeup. No, I don't. The black and white panther show? You <laughs> can't do that. I say it's ironic. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking the black and ironic. Panther. Oh, oh, no, I was, anyway, okay, look, we, it's, it's, we say, we say to, but it only works if you try and do it in American accent. But it's not racist to try and do an American accent. No, it's accent. not racist to do American accent. Why don't do it in a different, like, British dialect? I'm not putting you under any pressure, Josie, but you like doing acting and that, and Edgar does all these films. Quick. Oh, fucking hell. Right, we, we say, oh. I just shall I do an American yeah, we accent. Say, we say that's not a good accent. No, that's okay. what you do. That's I what do you it like this. Do, we though. say to pigs, "Daddy, we will not be held to ransom. The people's law is lovelier than lovely." That's what they said at a press conference in response to police brutality. We say to pigs, "Daddy, we will not be held to ransom. The people's law is lovelier than lovely." And I was so sort of amazed that that was their vernacular and that was totally their official I like vernacular. The use of the word "lovely." I was yes. expecting that from the Black Panthers. It's lovelier than lovely, but that's what they were like. They were so about education and care and social responsibility. And it, it, just to me, as a humanist, it's such a beautiful Christmas message that you know, keep fighting the cuts, keep fighting 
uh, the horrible way that people have been misrepresented because the people's law is lovelier than lovely. What was it Black Panther said? Be a gentleman, be a scholar, be an acrobat. Fuck the man. Oh, no, that's the Pink Panther. Sorry. <laughs> He's a gentleman, scholar, and acrobat. No, that's it's, it's a Fred Hampton. So that's your, your Christmas thing. That's is my go Christmas and gift to you. Going to have a look that's at my favourite theme tune of all time. It is a great theme tune. That's what I have on my Twitter bio, and some people, it sounds kind of arrogant because it's sort of, I put uh, gentleman, scholar, acrobat. Well, and people are thinking, oh, yeah, oh, no, I have the groovy cat, gentleman, scholar, acrobat. And I think so. People who don't know that reference, thinking he's referring to himself as a groovy cat. It's well, very hard. Well, Chris Anderson made the mistake one year of having that as his tagline on his poster. Gen- oh, that was oh, the name of the title, right. Gentleman Scholar was... Acrobat. And then loads of Europeans who didn't speak oh. any English came to this tremendously verbose and excellent English comedian and sat there. When's he doing the acrobatics? They genuinely thought the big soleil type thing. Yeah, that's what they were expecting. Just as opposed to a man who occasionally drops something, which isn't the same at all. Right, thanks very much. (laughs) Can I say? Can I say um, two things? Yeah. Yeah. One thing is a terrible plug. Mm, No, please do. DVD for Scott Pilgrim is out now. If this is December the twenty seventh, number two is Mind the Doors. Well, I would like to plug uh, the only thing. Uh, I'll tell you what: if you're going to have a good Christmas, then I would say mind the doors and make sure that in those doors is a copy of Scott Pilgrim. Actually, I still haven't seen. I still haven't seen uh, it. Run, I'm so. Uh, it's out next week. We would tweet. No, we would tweet each other when you were doing a lot of the uh, editing on it, and I thought brilliant. And then, of course, by the time it came out, because I went, is it ages away? Was Edinburgh Fringe Festival and me on tour for the rest of the year? So I am going to watch it, it over. Uh, or if you want, if you're around on the thirtieth, I'm showing it at the Ritzy. I'm doing oh, it at the Ritzy, so you can see it on the big screen. If you want, I'll get you. I'll get you a ticket, Robin. Wow! If you're in London, and anybody who works at Cyber Candy, <laughs> the, um, if you're in London uh, at the Brixton Ritzy, uh, will be um, Scott Pilgrim. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, happy Christmas! Extended, oh, if you listen to it Christmas. after Christmas, Happy New Year, uh, etc. If you got free, what did you get free? Like sort of, you got a free Scandinavian free offer of a coffee, but I didn't redeem it because I was too embarrassed. I mentioned Valerie Lee on Valerie. If you're listening, uh, look me up on Twitter. <laughs> so um, this podcast was brought to you by Comedy Central, Valerie Leon, and a selection of products which uh, we have a group of people in this room who are hankering after. Um, it was edited by Mike I'm Pell sorry. and produced by Adrian McKinder. For more podcasts and loads of other stuff, go to ComedyCentral.co.uk. Sam Shandy. Scott Pilgrim's available now? (laughs) Now on DVD?